okay, well, we know sugar is inflammatory. We know it's, you have the spikes in the insulin, right? You mm-hmm. know that it increases the cortisol. For me though, uh, and again, I just mentioned gut in the beginning, what does it do when you have prolonged amount of sugar in your diet? This is episode 119 of the Neuro Experience podcast. I'm Louisa. I'm your host. I'm recording live from my Sydney apartment down under. I hope everyone's traveling safe. Um, I hope everyone's living well. I heard it's extremely hot back home in New York. Um, and, um, you know, I, I hope you guys are safe during this time. Uh, I miss everybody. I miss being there, obviously, when it was um, nice and safe to be at, uh, you know me, June, July, August, summertime in New York is my favorite time. You'll catch me at some rooftop pool. Um, but look, being back here in Australia has been absolutely beautiful. If you follow me on social media, you see that absolutely every single morning I'm out there surfing. I live right here at... Um, Bondi Beach on the eastern suburbs of Sydney. So I usually try and see what's the best waves or the best swell going out that day. Um, Just grab a board and I head out there with some friends um, or some locals. So I'm actually loving it, getting my body back into better shape than what it was at the beginning of the year. New York City really takes its toll. But moving into the episode today, very excited. I've got a close friend, um, NND. ND, naturopathic doctor, joining us today, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, all the way from Malibu, California. So it's so interesting, guys. You, you know me and the whole medical field, and you know how strong I am on understanding what's values based medicine. What are we, you know, I'm very scientific based. I never knew too much about naturopathic medicine. Uh, in Australia, we've got one path where you go down the medical doctor route or you go down the PhD route. We don't really have DOs here. We don't have NDs. So this was a whole new field for me, but I absolutely love the field of alternative medicine. And today's episode is absolutely phenomenal because not only do we discuss natural medicine for brain health, but we also go into uh, cortisol, gut-brain access. We talk about nootropics. We talk about what are the best supplements to buy, the best ones on the market, why there are differences in supplements on the market, some little hidden things that you guys probably don't know about that you're buying from your local supermarket that you shouldn't be buying because they're, uh, you know, there's these things called fillers in them. So we go into that. We go into timing of supplements, uh, anti-aging and how to age backwards. And then we go into right at the end, we crack the code on how to get started on everything. And that's the that's the silver lining because we all want to get going with our health. We all want to feel better, but we don't know where to start. And it, it all starts with what I believe. It, it starts with getting a proper blood test, understanding what's going on in your body and also uh, going and getting a 23andMe test. You can look it up. I'm going to link that into the show notes below. Um, but I hope you like this episode. Dr. Gonzalez is a naturopathic doctor who earned his Bachelor of Science degree um, and he's a medical doctorate at the University of Bridgeport's College of Naturopathic Medicine. He completed his residency at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America and is currently working at a holistic and, and integrative medicine center in California. He's joining me today all the way from his new location in Malibu. Let's get into the episode. 
neuroscience, neurology, and beyond. Learn everything you need to know from the best physicians and experts in the world. The Neuro Experience Podcast is a platform to help you understand what the brain is and how it shapes every part of our lives. Every episode comes to you from highly credible sources. I'm Louisa Nicola, medical neuroscientist from Australia living in New York City. Come and take a neuro experience with me. When you're looking at conventional MD and you go and, and you see somebody, they're mainly looking at modifications via uh, medicinal pathways. And I'm not talking about natural medicine. I'm mm-hmm. talking about like, you know, we've got to take mm-hmm. this, we've got to take that prescription yeah. drugs. And that's good. And, and you're more so, okay, well, let's look at some um, inflammatory pathways. Let's look at, let's take some blood work. Let's look at maybe, I, I don't know, do you go into gene therapy? Do you look at genes? Do you, do you get... You can, um, yeah. 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 So... I want to take a. Um, I, I would love to get your opinion on obviously neuroscience and brain health from a naturopathic perspective, because I, I'm seeing a lot in the a lot of people are becoming more aware of things such as nootropics, smart drugs we call them. Um, some of my favourites are bacopa minori, and mm. it's and I'd love to get your ideal and perspective on you know and any research that you've done. I don't know if you go into research where you get your research articles from and and kind of your whole uh, your whole perspective on brain health from a natural perspective. So let's first look at have you got any anything that you want to add or any resources or research when it comes to inflammation and brain health. So. When it comes to uh, inflammation, I think one of the most important things is to understand how it affects the body, right? Um, a lot of us, I, I, at least I, I know when I, when I work with patients, they, they think of inflammation, okay, the joints, the muscles, without really understanding the effect that it has on the brain. And the way that I see it is we know that inflammation it will increase blood-brain barrier permeability, right? Which is a big problem, mm. right? Especially when we see... Uh, neurocognitive diseases, neurodegenerative diseases co- coming down the road. As remember when I, we were talking, actually, it was interesting to know that 20, 30 years down the road, it, it'll already start. But for me, how do we reduce inflammation, right? For so many folks, the, the, the issue with inflammation is, is, is focused within the gut. And this is where you and I also were talking when we did our uh, live together is the importance and connection between the gut and the brain and the gut-brain axis. So if you're not breaking down properly your food and absorbing your food and you have uh, a pathological imbalance of bacteria in the gut, then those byproducts that are being created from the fermentation of food are causing issues in the body. And we were talking about gut permeability too. Um, and there's a big connection because now everyone's talking about the brain permeability. So how do we reduce inflammation? For me, it definitely starts with gut health. So how are we feeding our gut. Uh, and this is why I'm such a big proponent of utilizing variety of colors of plants in the diet, utilizing fiber. For me, fiber is the most important macronutrient in the body because one of the most important ones, because of what it does to the ever-present bacteria in your body, it feeds all of them and it's immunoprotective. Um, and then, and then something that I think is overlooked by a lot of folks is the power of spices. And we don't look at the spices in our cabinet or utilize them as much as we should. Um, 
turmeric is my one of my favorite anti-inflammatories in the body across the board. There's so much research, and we, we were talking about cancer before. Um, there are over 20 different mechanisms on what it does with cancer. It's pretty incredible. It's one of my the, one of the most therapeutic uh, medicinal foods that you can be eating. Uh, ginger. You can, uh, there's bromelain, which is present in pineapple. All of these are really good inflammatories. Um, supplementally, yeah, you can use them. But I always say, and this is something we were in agreement with, is food from the beginning. Like, let's start with the diet. Let's, let's start with what you're putting in your, in your body and removing the crap that is causing that inflammation from the get-go. And then when we talk about removing the crap, that's all the sugary food, all the processed food, the trans fats, right? These are the, these are the things where, okay, well, if how can we keep throwing uh, water on a fire if we just keep feeding the fire? So we've got to remove the obstacle secure. So that, I mean, when it comes to inflammation and brain health, that is like the first thing to address, right? If the body's inflamed, I don't care if you're in the best herbs, the best nootropics, it ain't going to do anything if you're on fire. Mm. When you're talking about things like spices and you mentioned, um, turmeric and curcumin when we're looking at that it's is that more of a, a preventative method or i don't know has there been studies to show that you can that cancer is reversed or or you can help um decrease cancer cells with the help of plant foods like this or is yeah. it more of a let's 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 take it before anything happens well, both, because uh, what, what we saw, I think it was India had a lower rate of a very particular cancer. I forgot which one it was. But populations who consume more turmeric have lower rates of cancer. Um, but the bigger thing is what does turmeric do in the body? So the way that I would use it in the context of cancer would be integratively, right? So if it is not um, contraindicated with the chemotherapy that they're on, because a lot of uh, it goes by CYP3A4 in the liver. So if it's not contraindicated with chemotherapy and it is indicated for all of the symptoms, it can help across the board, not only physically, right, but also with its anti-angiogenic effects, right? It reduces, it reduces the, the genetic replication for cells, mm. um, reduces, the, uh, reduces blood flow, as I mentioned, um, reduces inflammation, right? The, the, very, the very climate which cancer cells love growing in. Um, the that it's like um it was one of the superstars of the clinic right and there's tons and tons of research um when it comes to turmeric and cancer and then as as you know the effect of turmeric and cognitive issues cognitive diseases yeah it's you know my stance on it is what we know the gut and the brain are in direct communication with each other via the vagus nerve and we know that it when you have bad, uh, when you have a bad inflamed brain, whether that's via um, even your emotions, obviously what what we know is that you can have an inflamed gut just by having a bad emotional day. You know, you, there's actually been studies like they they test um, the the cortisol levels in blood after people have gone through a, a terrible breakup or they've lost a lot of money or they've lost their house, something bad has happened to them. They go and test them. They, they see their cortisol levels. They see their uh, microbiome and it's incredibly inflamed. And that just says that the, the difference, the, the, the connection between emotions and the brain and how it has a direct uh, relationship with the gut and vice versa, what you're putting in your gut, like the fiber, like you said, eat your rainbow. It has a direct relation to 
what is going on in your brain. So I think that that's, that's very clear and we know that and there's been substantial evidence. I've actually had a guy on the podcast who speaks about um, gut health. He just brought a book out and, you know, and he, he was wonderful in describing why we need fiber, why we need to eat all different colors of the rainbow and I am very for that. Um, but I also do like the whole, the whole notion of separating the two and, and when we're talking about how to have a high-performing brain, we, we know why. We know why we want a great brain. Okay, we, we know it, it helps with our focus, where it decreases anxiety, it helps with longevity. You know, we haven't even gone into the anti aging effects of nutrition in the brain. Um, it helps mm-hmm. fight off early onset <laughs> Alzheimer's disease. We know that. Uh, what we're getting a bit mixed up with, and it's because it's new, is this whole field of nootropics and that word where eat these plants or, you know, lion's mane is going to increase. And, and by the way, I do like lion's mane. Lion's mane is mm-hmm. going to increase um, your focus capacity. What's have you done any research in the field of nootropics? Because that's a, a that's such an emerging field, and, and I absolutely love it. Yeah, I, I think we can it, for folks who want to optimize, right? Like again, the basis has to be like what foods we're putting in our body for our brain health, right? And and there's you mentioned like the diversity in the plant food, right? Those mm. flavonoid rich foods that you're getting in there, reds, purples, right? Blueberries, blackberries, grapes. Um, the green tea, EGCG, all of these things are so, so anthocyanidins. These are so important. But when it comes to nootropics, there's a lot of formulas out there now, right? People are putting together like uh, brain stacks and, and uh, ma- making really popular some ancient herbs. Um, we know that, that ginkgo is one of the most well-studied nootropics. Um, there was a double-blind study with over 2,372 people that revealed that the ginkgo actually was improving overall cognition uh, and daily living for various, uh, various types of dementias for these folks, for this population. Um, and ginkgo has been around for 200 plus million years. Um, and their constituents are very important because they basically work as an antioxidant in the brain, right? Oxidation in the brain is a big issue, right? Yeah. That is that's the thing we want to reduce. Even, even when your high amounts of cortisol are releasing, this is what we want to reduce, the oxidation of the brain, the inflammation in the brain. Um, so ginkgo was found to be pretty effective. Um, I don't remember, I, and don't quote me on this, but I, I, I think I remember, uh, let's, I, I put a post on this, that ginkgo is as effective as some standard drugs for Alzheimer's and other forms of severe memory decline. That's, what? That's, wow. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to you on that one. Um, but I, I remember that... I remember writing that, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get back to you. That's so, really powerful. Is that comes in supplement form or is that a liquid form? Like, where where does one go to go and get ginkgo? So this this is this is a good question, right? Because not all supplements are created equal. Oh, uh, I agree. You, you want to actually out by you. Uh, there's MediHerb, which goes through. Uh, you would have to get it through a practitioner out here in the states. But MediHerb is my, in my opinion, the best herb company. They make the strongest herbal tinctures um i mean you know they make good echinacea because your mouth is tingling uh be, as soon as you take it so uh what you want to do is make sure you're getting a good brand gaia over here is uh is accessible to the general public uh, over the counter but uh i do like MediHerb as one of the best herbal formulas for ginkgo mm-hmm. so yeah there's those are the two ones when it comes to herbs um other nootropics like Phosphatidylserine, have you heard of that one? No, I haven't. 
Yeah. So this, these are like uh, basically classic compounds and they're present, in, they're phospholipid uh, that are present in all of the cells basically, right? They, they, they're nourishing. Wait, can you why. repeat, because what's the name? Phosphatidylserine. So usually you'll see that um, like shortened with PS. No one's okay. writing out phosphatidylserine uh, that much, but uh, it's required for all healthy cellular function, especially in the brain. Um, so I wrote out this note before I got on the phone with you about it, but a 2015 review of 127 studies concluded that phosphatidylserine is absorbed effectively into the brain and slows and reverses alterations and defects in neurons, supports overall cognition and short and long-term memory recall and creation, uh, and creation, and improves the ability to focus attention and create and problem solve. That's really powerful. This is actually something that I used for myself and there was palpable changes. I, kn- I know there was because I studied, I used it for my studying and board exams in school. Like that was part of my everyday regimen. But phosphatidylserine was really, really strong for me. For some folks, it, it, you know, some folks it's stronger, some folks it's not. But that's a really uh, important one. Again, it's the class of compounds. Uh, they're known as phospholipid compounds. Um, they're present throughout all the cells. Yeah. I, I wonder if there is any... Um and I know this is a thing, like uh, the timing of when you take everything, you know, is it, do you do it first thing in the morning? And somebody that speaks a lot about this is Ben Greenfield. He speaks about the timing of his supplements. And on average, I think they did a study with um, hedge fund managers, um, you know, on Wall Street saying a, a lot of them see a, a decline in, I think it was magnesium of all things at around 1 p.m. till 3 p.m. They have a slump. And so um, a lot of them went through a, a series of supplementing with X amount of milligrams of magnesium at that time, which then mm-hmm. raised the back end of their day, um, their, their uh, magnesium levels, which I don't know what effect it had, but it got me really interested in the timing of these supplements. And we see that, you know, we can access right now, we can access like through podcasts and through education, we can access what to take and why to take them and being introduced to all these amazing plant medicines, but it's when do we take it and is it going to have an effect if we take it in the morning or is it greater a greater effect if we take it at night? Yeah, it depends on which one, right? So uh, most of these I would take in the morning to get my day going. There, there's always the worry that it will have an effect on your sleep. But yeah, something, something that may show reverse of that is the uh, lion's mane uh, because it does help increase deeper sleep for folks, right? Increases the REM sleep. So I've actually found that taking lion's mane before bed and this is how you were speaking about Ben Greenfield, the other guy, Dave Asprey, he's a big fan of taking the lion's mane before bed uh, for that reason. But lion's mane also is something that I take during the day, right? I'll take it before I have to perform. I have to get on camera and do all my, the things that I do. Um, lion's mane is actually one of my favorite ones that I think we mentioned, we spoke about before. But I love in the context of BDNF, how mm. effective lion's mane is. And, and it, again, protectant to the brain, but also stimulating that neuroplasticity it's it's like lion's mane is to 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 date my favorite and then again out by you i think in australia they're making the best herbs out there because life cycle is another company um right out in bondi beach that is making Mm -hmm. the best lion's mane in my opinion yeah i actually uh, i I spoke to the owner and the founder of the company and i'm getting Mm -hmm. myself a bottle of lion's mane in the next week they're really excited to supplement with that and try it in liquid form i've been having it so far in powder form back in Mm -hmm. the united states so i'm excited to get my hands on that 
I just don't think they're strong enough like that in the powdered form. I really don't. When they're extracted mm-hmm. as a tincture and alcohol, I think that it's just, it's just exponentially stronger. You feel it immediately. So how bad, let me ask you, how bad is sugar? I'm not even talking for the brain. I want to talk about sugar, refined sugar, and how bad it really is for you. Because I know that I, I am trying to get off 100% off sugar, and it's very, it, and I find it difficult. I'm very open about that. I'm not one of those people that says, um, you know, I don't do this, I don't do that. When I actually do, uh, do I cons- do I sit there and have a chocolate bar every day? No. Um, but I want to get to a point where I am just, there is no cravings, there is no sugar. And this mm-hmm. is because I, I truly believe with, and this is to have science back it up, I truly believe that it has the same effects on your body and your brain as what cocaine does. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's very strong when it comes to the detrimental effects of how it ages you. And it's, it's, a, it's scary that we feed and we just pump so much food these days with sugar. So what's your take on it? Um, I, think, I think any added sugar should be avoided. I really do. Um, I, I worry almost, no, I don't worry at all about fruit sugar. But it's the added sugar, and and as you know, what it does with BDNF and and neuroplasticity and learning, all reduce when, on a high sugar diet. But like, okay, well, we know sugar is inflammatory. We know it's you have the spikes in the insulin, right? You mm. know that it increases the cortisol. For me, though, uh, and again, I just mentioned gut in the beginning. What does it do when you have prolonged amount of sugar in your diet? So for me, the body will always acquiesce to what we give it, right? If I start a carnivore diet tomorrow, I might not feel too good for a few weeks, but my body will acclimate and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll be able to eat it. But it'll acclimate because the microbiome is going to acclimate to the food, mm. right? By, the, the Vice versa. If I start eating just vegan, my body will take a while to acclimate, but it'll acclimate. What I'm trying to say is when sugar is part of your daily ritual, as part of your food, then what you're doing is promoting the growth of these pathogenic bacteria and fungus, Right. And that's a problem. Right. When you have the yeast and the fungus overgrowing, causing that dysbiosis. Well, now, as I mentioned, the gut being really a focal point in in human health uh, amongst, you know, because it's connected to everything. Now, then the implication is in the brain. How is it affecting the brain? Because if you're giving sugar to the gut and those easily fermentable bacteria that, that are easily fermenting it are overgrowing, the yeast are overgrowing. That's a problem. Right. That's a that's a big problem when you have that level of dysbiosis. That's that's why I always try to, and you're right, it does have um, similar effects. It's lighting up the same areas as cocaine, the reward, right? And that's why people get so addicted to it. It is addictive. <laughs> it is addictive. Trust me. <laughs> it, it is. Even, but even like even fruit sugar can be addictive because like it's easy to see a salad or like a bowl of grapes. I think more people are going to go for the bowl of grapes. And I think that's evolutionary, right? Like we want that really quick source of glucose when we're out in, in nature, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think we, we should learn how to, how to have a fiber-rich diet and a protein-rich diet to offset, even if you are eating added sugar, to offset those spikes because it's really important to have your insulin under control when it comes to your overall health. 
You know, I work with a lot of NFL players um, and I work with them on a personal basis. I do through my company, NeuroAthletics. We do everything from we first get an initial computational EEG done for the boys um, where we assess the functionality of their brain, how well it's working. And and we get something like a a 20 to 30-page report on you know, everything that's wrong with their brain, we can pick up on uh, biomarkers of concussion. Um, You know, we look at mild cognitive decline. We look at um, focal points of dysfunction. So if we look at an area, you know, maybe 95% of their brain may be working on point, but that 5%, which is having a detrimental effect on their vision, for example, or their their hearing, we we can pick up on that. And so a lot Mm. of the time, what we're doing is we're we're getting outside consultants to come in and, and do specific does because that's not um, that's not our forte and I don't that's I, mm. I strongly believe in always outsourcing if you're not um, if you're not good in that area and we may see uh, we may want to increase um, you know somebody's temporal lobe uh, for one of our boys and sometimes the best diet is a keto diet. And that always got me so interested in understanding. That's been the, the general consensus, you know, grains and also, you know, some, some mm. people do well with grains, some people don't. It's just dependent on the individual person. And so we may set a diet for one of the boys and say, okay, strictly keto, where we're actually mm. measuring their ketone levels via blood work. Um, and it's, it's just been so interesting to see the effects. And I tried keto. I, I, I did keto. And I would say right now I'm eating a keto-ish diet, if that's a thing. Um, I, I mean, I do, I am having a bit more carbs than what is necessary to be labeled quote unquote keto, but it is interesting to see how, how good you feel mentally and how stimulated you are when you are eliminating all of these carbohydrate rich foods and you are focusing on a, I think it's like a 70% good fat diet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, the, the, the way I approach keto is like this. I think it's a therapeutic diet. I, think it, I don't think it's sustainable or should be a sustainable diet. Mm. Um, you, the the, the beta-hydroxybutyrate that is <clears> – <throat> sorry, I was choking – that is um, created is so important for the brain, and we know that it can help. I, I have used it for folks who have, who have a history of seizures, uh, with brain cancer. Um, it can be useful for – as your general population that we were talking about with the, with the concussions, your population. Mm-hmm. So the thing I worry about with keto is the excessive amount of fat and what it does to long-term blood sugar, right? Especially in, when, if you decide to switch from a keto diet and going back to you eating more carbohydrates than you're eating, what's happening is that your insulin is not going to react the way it would if you were having sustained amount of carbohydrates every single day, a certain level. Um, and we see this and there, there's, ag- there is absolute research in this and, and it's been out forever is what does a, a high, high fat, low carbohydrate do to the body, right? Well, sure. People's, uh, blood sugar numbers will be going down, but the problem is, is that your cells, uh, when it comes to, uh, uh, reacting with insulin, that 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 function is reduced, and and we see that in uh, you know who, who just released this book, uh, Mastering Diabetes, was based on this on the on this whole research on, and was heavily cited on all of this mm. because it's incredible. These two these two guys, Cyrus and Robbie, were are reversing all types of diabetes minus type one 
all, all types or uh, type diabetes type two and what they say type three diabetes uh right with the with the brain uh what they were doing what they're doing is these they, both of them are diabetics type two they're eating high amounts of carbohydrates up to 200 grams a day and and their insulin can you hear me mm-hmm. yeah Sorry, it, it cut off. And their insulin, and their insulin, uh, I mean, their blood sugar numbers are dropping. And wow. the way they explain, they explain it is saying, as you have a higher, higher fat diet, especially when it's coming from uh, animals, it's reducing your ability of insulin to work on the cellular level, right? And uh, I did the show on that, and they, they, they went into, we did a whole analogy about letting someone into a club and the bouncer being the, being the basically the protein letting them in. But <laughs> it, insulin it, it was like it was i thought it was brilliant when i came up with it but then i was like oh, i wasn't that good but uh but 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 it's so interesting to hear and and that was they i, I actually mirror what they say about the keto diet not being sustainable long term and i at this point i mean last time i was checking i i don't see any long-term studies on the sustainability of keto diet i mean it took form of the atkins diet so i yeah. my worry about what does it do to heart health cardiometabolic health long-term when you have that much fat, especially when it's coming from animals. I don't, I don't know. I feel more comfortable with a balanced diet, right? Yeah. Um, I, we spoke, I myself am a vegan, but folks who have animal protein, I, I would actually prefer to have a diversity of plants, right? Some of the, some of the healthiest foods out there are, are whole grains, right? We know what it does for the heart. Some of the healthiest foods are nuts and seeds, uh, the, there's, there's, there's foods that do have carbohydrates that we actually need in our diet. So I think that I, I, the, look, I, again, I'm a vegan. It's more of an on the extreme side, but I do it because of ethics and morals and the way I feel, I feel pretty good. I was but, going to ask you why you're, why you're a vegan. Yeah. Yeah. All three. And I, I, I feel great. I've been feeling great for 11 years, but, uh, but, but for me, for folks, I, I do believe in the balance. Yeah. It just depends on, for me, like geographically, more so ancestrally, what is that balance, right? Because I can eat a really high carbohydrate diet. My blood sugar is fine. I've, I've tested it over and over. I don't gain weight. But then there's some folks, right, probably in higher latitudes who can't really thrive on it, right? Those are folks mm-hmm. who maybe are more meat heavy. But I think that we have to pay close attention to getting diversity and colors of plants more so and worrying less about the carbohydrate load and what it's doing to our body. I would recommend you, I think you'd be fascinated by mastering diabetes. I mean, they have, I've seen it. I've had, I've had people go to them and they just reverse it completely. It's incredible. Oh, wow. I'd love to look at um, all the studies that they're doing. And you know, there's only so much that I can get done in a day, but I'm just so fascinated. That's why I love the podcast because I get to talk to certain ex- experts like yourself and just understand what your take is on certain things around, especially around nutrition. Um, what my, my biggest thing when, when we talk about all of this is not, you know, once it's, no one size fits all. Everybody has a different genetic makeup first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody has, um, everything is different. Everybody has different microbiome. Everybody is different. So I think this whole notion of ketogenic diet is good for you. I think that's really, you know, it's really controversial because it's like, well, you don't know what's going on in my body. You haven't seen my blood work. You don't know the genes mm-hmm. that I have. You don't know X, Y, Z. So 
what I think is really possible, and you can wait, lay in on this, what is the whole notion, like what, what does a naturopathic doctor do like to start off with when somebody first comes to them? So if I came to you and I said, listen, I'm feeling fatigued, I'm frustrated, I'm, I can't lose weight or I'm overweight, my diet is, is like hell, um, but I've got X, Y, Z diseases in the family. Would you start off with just taking a, a standardized, like, would you just do a consult or would you go into doing blood work? Like what are some of the tests that you guys do? Uh, yeah, I love that question because now we're getting into this stuff that I really like. Um, the, when it comes to like, let's say you presented with those symptoms for me, it's most importantly, all right, like, and you, you mentioned not losing weight. So what are the basic tests that we need to do to, for you from the get go? And for me, that's a nutritional panel, right? To see where you are nutritionally, not only in vitamins, all macronutrients, right? Proteins, fats, carbs, uh, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, right? What does that look like? And we'll also see some organic acids that can show us how does your gut look if you're absorbing the foods, those macronutrients correctly, right? What are your level of different types of proteins? We can look at all amino acids on this test. So then I have a standard of saying nutritionally on paper, here you go. This is how you look. You are exhausted because your B vitamins are in the tank, Mm -hmm. most likely. All right. So then what do we do? We add vitamin B rich foods. If it's really low, we can supplement. And then for me, we can do a hormonal test. I love doing serum hormones, but I also couple that with the urine hormones. I think, I think every good doctor should do both uh, because you need to see the metabolites of the hormone and not just the hormone in itself, right? You can't, I can't just look at estrogen. I have to look at the three types of estrogen, how it's breaking down in the body, right? Because yeah. then I'll be able to see, whoa, okay, like this, this form of estrogen is your predisposition to breast cancer, for ovarian cancer. If that's really high, then that's a problem. But also your hormones are going to show me a lot, right? And we'll do, we'll do a thyroid panel too. Those are the major things that we would do from the get-go if you presented like that. So the first one that you, you stated, the panel, the nutritional panel, how is that done? Is that, is that do you take blood? Blood, blood and urine. So blood and urine, that's the very first thing. We go in, we see you, blood and urine, and then you can test for everything. That's, a, that's so, uh, it makes me think, why isn't everybody doing this at least, you know, maybe twice a year or, or even once a year. It's so ludicrous because what I see is that a lot of people are like, oh, um, we should be supplementing with L-tyrosine because it helps us. Okay, great. I'll go and do that. I'll go and buy uh, the fish oil. Fish oil is huge, by the way. And yeah. I think everyone should be on fish oil. However, I just, I would not recommend anything to anybody without understanding first and foremost that from the ground up, like what is your body like what are you what are you like what are you deficient in how do you how do you just so that, yes. how don't yes. you know this a hundred percent so that is the difference between uh you know someone who is just shooting in the dark and mm. why you go to a functional naturopathic doctor right because then what, a normal a, doctor or, doesn't do this no 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 i'm saying like like uh when 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 like i'm talking about like reading an online blog and going and buying oh yeah right because mm. I was told by Dr. Atz to do it. That doesn't, it, it, for, for you, I mean, we may do that test and guess what? L-tyrosine might be off the charts high. Why would uh. you want to take any more? So for me, it's like what this offers is the opportunity for us to put together a personalized protocol based on your functional test, right? So mm. now we make those personalized interventions. So you're putting in the money for the test, but you're 
you're saving money when it comes to your protocol because you're not shooting in the dark. So then we try these interventions out. First, nutritionally, all right? Okay. If you're super deficient in, in, the, in magnesium, which I kid you not, I, I have yet to see someone with an, a really good adequate amount of magnesium on the test. Mm-hmm. Actually, one or two people, maybe in my career. B12 is always pretty low. It doesn't matter if it's vegan. Sometimes I've, I've seen omnivores have low B12 and most of the B vitamins. So automatically, I, I always know that magnesium and B vitamins are going to come up. So we make these interventions, right? And you mentioned, why doesn't anyone do this? This is what I do for my concierge clients. Like, I will say, okay, the year starting, we did this uh, last year. Here are your yearly tests. And if something comes up, then we retest. And so we, maybe we do two a year. But it's something that is, for me, I do it on myself every year. I'm able to see, and you mentioned omegas. It also has an omega index, right? So we'll be able mm-hmm. to see, whoa. Why, why, do you, why do you have so much omega-6 in your diet and so your omega-3s are so low? What is your cardiovascular disease index at the bottom, right? So now we go over your diet at nauseum until we understand, let's start, let's start adding in these foods and slowly removing these foods, right? Um, and the same goes with hormones. The same goes with hormones. We, there, there are functional foods, just starting from the food level, and supplements that can literally help metabolize that carcinogenic form of estrogen such that it's putting you in a better place if you have a family history or a personal history of, of breast cancer or ovarian cancer in the past. Now you're putting yourself in such a good place because we can retest and all of a sudden what we'll see is that your ratios have changed such that now you're metabolizing estrogen so much healthier. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So for me, that's, that's Damn. so, so, yeah. so, so important. There's a lot of folks who do uh, gut tests. Uh, I, I, I do that sometimes uh, when it comes to the stool. Um, one thing I really do look for in, in the stool for sure is, uh, not me personally, but <laughs> is, is the, uh, what is the, what is the level of inflammation in the gut? That's really important for me because, yes. right. Cause that'll be suggestive to, okay, well, you know, there might be a level of gut permeability and, and, you know, there's no functional brain tests really out there. You know, there's some scans that we can do, but there's no like, okay, let's do this blood test. And now we have a whole picture of your brain. So for me, the gut being sort of a mirror in many ways to the brain, that's important for me to know about how that, that they're both connected. And then, um, uh, uh, and then when it comes, so, so when it comes to the overall picture of the gut, that's, that's what we want to see. We yeah. want to know how inflamed you are. If, 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 if you have a dysbiosis, right? Those pathogenic bacteria, remember what the ones that are feeding on that sugar that you're eating? Well, all of a sudden you're exhausted, right? And you tell me you're, you're eating so much sugar and then you can't lose weight. And I show you on your stool test, I go, well, look, look at, look at the level of, of, uh, your yeast, right? The candida in your body. Like it's showing right here, right in your gut, the candida, the candida in your gut. Look how high it is. So that's what we can do. It, it, it gives people also uh, quantitative info where they go, wow, look what's going on in my body. It's a mirror. Now I have even more motivated to see better numbers. Does this work for people who are not directly in your office? Like, you know, do people have to come to Malibu or have we worked out this way where you can get us, get our blood work and you know, work on a, um, a method and a program that way? Like, do we have, like, what I'm trying to ask is, can you do this? You know, could I, from Australia, send you my blood work? No. Uh, unfortunately, when it comes to my license restrictions, 
uh, I, I wouldn't be able to do like out of state like that unless I see the person in my office or okay. well, I do not there. So in their home first. Um, but, but the, the, the beautiful thing is, and, and as, as we were talking, like it's a little different in Australia, but out here, you know, the, we, we're recognized as licensed, uh, practitioners, right. The, mm-hmm. where we are, we are doctors. We are, yeah. we are, we have a board. So the beautiful thing is that throughout the States, you can, you can find a practitioner in your state who can help you do these tests. Um, and it's important. It's for me, I, I still don't understand how even conventional medicine hasn't brought in these tests. They're starting to in the, in the context when it comes to functional medicine, right? Then you have a lot of conventional doctors doing these tests. But for me, every gastroenterologist should have at least a stool test in their office. I do not understand why they don't have uh, a, a, the, the, full, the full panel of, of stool tests in there. For me, if you're working in uh, endocrinology, I don't understand why every endocrinologist does not have dried urine tests, right? So we can see for men and women what their testosterone looks like, what their estrogen, what their melatonin looks like, what their cortisol curve looks throughout the day, which is implicated in gut health, which is implicated in brain health. This is something where you actually have data that that can make long lasting changes for folks. So I'm hoping that these functional tests creep in. But unfortunately, I've had many people DM me on Instagram and go, you know, I've asked my doctor about this test they didn't know what it was and oh, wow. that, that's a shame because there's that, that's a disconnect but the beautiful part about integrative medicine is that i i we we can all meet in the middle of the venn diagram right so we can all work together and that's the way that i've been practicing since i came out of school integratively so i can work with with conventional doctors who go hey i'm a gastroenterologist i never done this test let's let's walk through this right let's go over what this means and how to find the best protocol from my side and your side for the patient. So something that I'm absolutely obsessed with is omega-3. Okay. I love my fish oil. I think that everybody should be supplementing with it. Uh, I just recently, I think it was a 2019 study was done on um, adolescents with major depressive disorder and also schizophrenia. So whether that was drug induced or they were, um, they were born with it, it's, it showed that obviously we know when, when we look at schizophrenia, there's people have got, um, uh, you know that they've they've got things going on in their head. They're hearing a lot of things, and what they did was mm-hmm. they supplemented with I think it was high dose um, omega three. So I think it was six milligrams of fish oil per day, and they actually saw a um, they saw a lot of impulse control in the in the prefrontal cortex and the anterior cingulate functions. So, and this was done with adolescents. And I absolutely love this because I think it, we downplay the importance of fish oil on brain health. And I personally have been supplementing with fish oil. I take anywhere from five to six milligrams. And yes, there's obviously, you've got to look at, you know, it it plays a lot with blood thinning as well. So you've obviously got to consult your doctor before you take any of these. But I absolutely love that. And these are some of the things where I think that it's a non-negotiable when you're looking at brain health, especially with people with depression, with, um, with certain psychiatric disorders, because I know that when you when you're looking at um, any type of mental health disorder, and somebody is maybe they're taking prescription drugs like SSRIs or antipsychotic medication, I think that it does something. It changes obviously changes in neural pathways in the brain, so they become a you know a kind of 
and I've seen this, I, I went out and studied, they, they become kind of sterile where they just, they get so deep in their thoughts and their brain is actually, I would say it's not malfunctioning, but they're seeing a, a decrease in impulse control and motivation and excitement. And then what they did was when they, when they supplement with six milligrams of fish oil, you can see a, a dramatic increase in their motivation and their inspiration, their happiness. So I, I mm. love fish oil. It's, it's, it's huge. It's huge. The, what, what EPA, uh, DHA does on the brain, especially, oh, I mean, yeah. this is why, this is why it's given to women, uh, as a supplement. It's, it's important And me as a vegan, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a, that's a big thing, right? So the, and here's the issue. Sometimes some folks who are on a fully plant-based diet and not eating any fish or not getting in any robust amount of megas, if they have any changes to their delta-6 desaturase enzyme, that's a problem because then they're not converting all of that ALA that is coming from flax seeds, um, soybeans, pumpkin seeds, tofu, walnuts, walnut oil. Then they're not converting that into EPA efficiently, right? I got mine checked. Mine is running smoothly. It's on, it's on fire. It's on so, point. It's on point. So I worry less, but, but, but again, this is what we can check. This is what we can, we can do functionally. So someone goes... Someone goes, hey, doc, I'm on this vegan diet. I'm feeling crappy. Well, what are you, why are you feeling crappy? Are you feeling crappy because uh, you're eating everything frozen and you're eating Impossible Burgers and Beyond Burgers all day? Okay, well, let's look at the food first. And then let's see if, you're, if you're, uh, your, your body is made. Your body is handling the, the diet correctly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because long term, there are folks who have been, you know, eating vegan diet for a long time and I've had reduced brain function. And that, that for me, I go, Oh, what, what do you mean? You, you, your brain, your brain fog, your memory's not as good. Then we go over their diet, see how, how much sugar they're eating, what, all these, all these other, other things. And then we, we look, we, we, we test that and see what's going on. Um, but I, I'm in agreement with you when it comes to fish oil, it's, it's, it's multi-systemic. And one of my favorite things are multi-systemic interventions, right? Because if it's helping the gut, it's helping the musculoskeletal system, it's helping the nervous system, then, you know, it's cheap, but it's powerful, mm. right? Mm. I mean, I look, and it's also, you've got to be really wary of where you're actually buying your products from. Some people, um, you know, fish oil, I mean, this is for any products. Um, and I've obviously got my favorite um, brands and this goes comes down to pure quality. Sometimes you just can't trust some supplement companies, you know, where they're manufactured and some of the reviews that they've got, you just don't know what you're actually putting into your body. So I don't think it's just about, okay, great. Let's just go out and get a, a multivitamin from the nearest um, supermarket. You've really got to study where, where is it manufactured? Who are the owners? You know, how do they go through the, the process? Where are they getting the fish oil from? Where's the creel oil? Where's the DHA coming from? I think that's another really important factor to, con- to consider. So Anybody out there who yeah. is thinking of supplementing, always mm-hmm. and for me, I always say look at the look at the label. Where is it being manufactured, and what do you know about the brand and the company? Yeah, and Louisa, this is why I do my show. I've done I've done very specific shows on how to buy fish oil. I did a oh. show on the best the best and the worst fish oils out there. So uh, and 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 just what to look for mm-hmm. in every single one. And and I and I also did it for just supplements in general. What to look for if you buy multivitamins. I reviewed multivitamins. I talked about Centrum and how it's terrible, but it's one of the most widely bought supplements out there or multivitamins out there for men and women. So what to look for because you're right. It's not all created equal. 
And if you get it online, you know, there, it, on Amazon, it's a $6 billion industry. That's mm-hmm. a big problem, right? Because so, the chances are that it may be counterfeit. So I think that that's why I've become very passionate about when people buy supplements, they're not, they're absolutely not created equal. There was a few years ago, the FDA did this, did this investigation. And I know it was Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, I think it was Costco, um, and another, another big chain store. And they found they, and I think it was Ginkgo below actually, they found that it was about three to 4%, uh, of the true supplement and the rest was just filler. That's crazy wow. because people are going to these places and spending fifteen twenty dollars because their doctor said they need they they can maybe use ginkgo or they heard it or they read it they doctor acts told them online and then they're buying and they're they're wasting their money and who knows what the heck they're putting in those in those things so it's unregulated and I think that we can do much better in the supplement industry and that's why I'm pretty passionate about telling people how to buy this stuff yeah you know what I've been getting into lately like looking at the when I've been so I I keep saying what I'm getting into lately because now with COVID and I'm not in the office I've got so much more time to research so I'm getting into absolutely everything and researching so much but I was really um, considering looking at anti-aging and looking at telomere length and obviously that's Mm. telomere length is a biomarker for aging and I came across this supplement and this was um, probably about eight months ago now where I actually really started to get into it and started to take it and it was NAD so nicotinamide Mm. adenine dinucleotide Mm. and it's we know that it's a a molecule already found in every cell of the body but it's used to power the mitochondria I believe or power the metabolism Mm -hmm. by enabling the mitochondria which is Mm -hmm. the powerhouse of the cell now everybody wants to look young feel young feel amazing from the inside out not necessarily does everybody want to know what it does from a from a molecular perspective so when I was looking at this NAD um, I was looking at the patches the NAD patches and also the NAD IVs and I actually did one and let me tell you, I felt incredible. However, I, yeah. needed, I mean, I know that you have to keep it up. So what's your, um, what's your take on NAD and the supplementation form of NAD? Yeah, so my, my business partner does the NAD um, IVs all around oh, LA. Does he, is yeah. that an eight-hour one or is it a – because I did a it's push a, IV. She does, she, does, she does it in three, three, three hours. Um, oh. Now, now it, it doesn't – if you really push the NAD like really fast, it hurts. Oh, it, folks. Let me tell you, I did it in it. I did a push IV for 25 minutes. It was the most excruciating pain of my oh. life. Yeah, I thought my entire body was on fire. Um, why I did it? Because I just didn't have time to sit there and, and I wanted to study it and I didn't have time to do the, the eight hour one, but I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. So, so the, the, the interesting thing is that um, it, it does support the telomeres. Um, we, we think of it as like mitochondrial health and mitochondria is, is remember what we learning in biology when we were young, the, the, the powerhouse of the cell, but it's so much more sophisticated than that, right? It's, it's providing power to the cell, but it, even when we, when we think about cancer, one of the main targets of dysfunction begins in the mitochondria, right? So one of the best ways to prevent cancer is to have healthy mitochondria. And mitochondria are sensitive to many things, including environmental stress, environmental toxins, uh, stress in general, stress being the number one reducer of biological age. They reduce our telomeres more than anything. So um, 
I am a fan of NAD. Um, I, I, I have yet, I, I, there's a few companies that I've, that have caught my eye. Um, I'm only the only, the only time I've done NAD is through IV. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to make sure that supplementally you're putting it in your mouth and your that NAD is activating the way it should. So because it's hot right now, there's a lot of new companies. So I'm waiting to see like some good research by a good company that puts it together and says, yes, this is exactly the way it works is how it increases in the blood. And this is, this is what we see as a, as a benefit for these folks. But hang on. I, don't, I thought that you couldn't actually do, you couldn't actually get NAD in any other form other than the IV and the, the ones that comes in the supplement form is actually the precursor to NAD. Yeah, the precursor. The actual, so, yeah, yeah the, the precursor. The one that I have actually right here in my cupboard is the true niogen one. That's, yes, one. that's the, the most popular one. Yeah, this is the most popular one. It's the niogen, right? So it's the antinamide yeah. riboside chloride. Um, so yes, precursors. And, uh, and many times these precursors are, uh, are cheaper and much mm-hmm. and as effective at building it up in the body than putting it straight. So like, like, let's say when we think about something like glutathione, which is super helpful for lung health, right? When it comes to, we're talking about COVID uh, and, and liver health. Well, some of the precursors like NAC are really helpful uh, at increasing the amount of glutathione. So yeah, I, 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 for me, that's the reason I have this drenogen is as a precursor. Um, I'd love to, I'd love to see all, more research on what it does in the, if it fully has the effect that we want it to. But yeah, like I said, at this point, I've only done the straight NAD over three hours. I, you know, I'll work on my computer and get the NAD. ID. Have you ever, like, you, you do have to keep it up though, don't you? You can't, it can't just be a, a, a once a, it can't just be a one night stand with NAD. You have to do this on an ongoing basis. Yeah. I, uh, from, from, I, I just, it's funny because I just had this conversation yesterday the um when i was talking to my business partner she does it for for these concierge patients about uh two times a month two Mm -hmm. times a month um but yeah it's 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 actually in naturopathically and functionally one of like the hotter talking points right because again what it does systemically right we we think about regulating energy okay helping protect and stabilize the chromosomes well that's important when it comes to what I was just talking about, cancer, right? Again, cellular energy production, brain health, right? So I think it's, uh, and then cellular aging, we were talking about uh, activation, uh, protecting telomeres, activation of sirtuins. This is like the big picture of, I love the interventions that do a lot, put it that yeah. way. Just like control. Quick intervention does a lot. So then someone doesn't have a cupboard full of 80 supplements that they're taking a day. I'm not a fan of that at all. Yeah. Uh, the less, the better. The more, the cleaner the diet, the better. Mm. I, I completely agree with you. I really want to do my chronological age. You know how you can go and test what mm-hmm. your, what, you know, this is what age you are, but this mm-hmm. is what your body is telling you. I, I want to go and do that. I, I think I'm at the point where I'm like, great. I, I want the, I want the lab test to come back and say you're functioning as an 18 year old. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you are with all the brain exercises you're doing. I bet you are. Oh, listen. Um, so that's something that I'm into. I want to ask your opinion on 23andMe. Uh, well, to, I think 23andMe, it can be a good picture that we see, right? I, I don't think that we need to base all of our health interventions based on 23andMe. Uh, I don't, I, in the beginning, actually, when they came out, they didn't just give you the raw data. They actually gave you the data plus what this means, right? It was sort of like borderline medical advice. 
So they got in trouble for that. So now they give you the raw data. But what a lot of uh, different practitioners will do, they'll take that raw data, put it through uh, a system where then they have a full picture of your genes. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it's really important, again, personalized medicine, right? Understanding what these genes do. The thing is, is that there's different, there's different phenomenons at, at play, right? There is the epigenetic phenomenon, right? Yeah. So what we see on paper in that day does not, that does not mean long-term, right? No, it doesn't always mean that at all, right? When we talk, when we talk about the, the, how epigenetics plays a role with each other, um, it's just a picture in time of what we're seeing. The yeah. other thing is that genes affect each other, right? They, they, they have an, a direct effect on each other. It's a, think of it more like a community rather than individuals. That's the other part of it. So when I say it, it's like, I have this data. I know that, I know that uh, you, have a, you have a genetic change in MTHFR. Well, that's a problem, right? Because when you're taking in you know, cyanocobalamin, uh, you're taking supplemental B12, I know that that's not breaking down in your body correctly. I know you're predisposed to heart disease, uh, uh, particular cancers. That, then I see that, okay, yeah, like this is the genetic change, but there's other genes in there that epigenetically can be affected. There's other genes in there that the genes directly next to them can affect them. So I think that, again, grain of salt and not saying, look, this gene says one day you're going to get dementia and you're going to die from dementia. It, I, don't, I don't think that's, that's proper medicine. What we should do is say, okay, here are the risk factors. How do we start optimizing now, right? Food, supplement, lifestyle, all of these things, that's where we have the power. Yeah. Well, look, I think when it comes to um, genes and Alzheimer's disease, for example, I think it's directly um, dependent on one of the genes, the APOE4 and APOE3 gene that we um, can possess. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really smart if somebody is dealing with a family member, maybe a mother or grandmother who's been diagnosed with um, Alzheimer's, dementia, to go and get tested to see if you've got any of these uh-huh. genes. And if you do, then what are the interventions that we can start from now and and um, how many times can you go and get tested just to keep up to date with it? So I think it plays a, a crucial role in that aspect. Um, but all these tests that we've discussed in this podcast, I think are so incredibly beneficial and important. And don't get me wrong, I'm, um, I don't shy away from the fact that it, it is it can be somewhat expensive. I think that mm-hmm. being healthy is expensive and supplementation, getting great supplements is expensive. Um, so I actually just on that note, um, my, I go to Thorne and obviously I'm not affiliated with them financially in any way, but I, I've really studied them and I have a lot of friends who back the company up saying that they're so good. And I've actually, I, I believe in their products in terms of how it's, how it's produced and manufactured. So I get a lot of my, most of the things that they, they do have, I get them from there. So, um, but everything else, I'm just always trying to look for the best, most high quality, potent, to potent, formula to put into my body mm-hmm. thorn is known as a professional brand yeah so on paper you should be only getting that from a practitioner as like a prescription but you know some people you can i know there's other people that have accounts with different companies so they can get it but um thorn is like one of the gold standards that's like you know mercedes-benz bentley whatever it is yeah um other good companies are like Vital Nutrients. That's another professional brand. 
pure encapsulation, orthomolecular. These are all really high quality biotics. Those are high quality brands. Um, even standard process, MediHerb. Um, yeah, but I think me personally, uh, Metagenics, okay. I, I love the Metagenics Omega. That was the Omega that I went over on my um, show, Heal yeah. Myself. That uh, Omega, I think, it, Omega Genics is, I think, one of the best fish oils out there. Um, really strong, can be really powerful, the, the high dose one. Um, super clean. And, um, and yeah, but for me, I'm looking at my cabinet now. Most of my cabinet has thorn. Metagenics and, with the uh, with the yeah. fish oil with the Metagenics fish oil and if it's there you can check it. How many milligrams is it? Because if I want to take yeah. six a no, day, yeah. So so what you're getting for one soft gel, you're getting 710 milligrams of EPA and 290 okay. milligrams of DHA. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's not bad. I mean, like a lot of these uh, like a lot of these fish oils you're getting out there, you have to take like six seven a day yeah uh, people are just burping them up all day oh it's absolutely hard the one i i do i I only have to take four and i'm actually um i'm doing a lot of tests on my father he on new year's eve uh, like the last new year's eve he had a a stroke it was a minor infarct so i'm doing a lot of interventions with him and and i'm supplementing with fish oil with him as well so we've got Mm -hmm. him on only um I'm only getting him to take three a day um, because of the blood thinning effect with his other medication, but um, it's been really well. It's been very well received. Um, and before we close up, I actually wanted to get your take and see how much hatred you have for the whole uh, bodybuilding world um, and the whole supplementation in that aspect, because I see, I still to this day see a lot of people taking pre-workouts, for example, which is something that I used to do back in my day, back when I was a triathlete and I was, when we had mm-hmm. no data like this. Um, what's your whole take on the, uh, not just the protein aspect, um, you know, taking protein powder, but this whole notion of taking a pre-workout? Um, well, it depends. A lot of these pre-workouts that I see are artificially sweetened, which is a big issue. A lot of them have some sugar. Um, they're just very, very much so synthetic. And that's, that's a problem for me, right? Because if you're doing it every day or every other day, I, I wonder what it's doing to the body. Um, so they're very much so processed chemically. They're, they're synthetic. <laughs> I... I'm a big fan of like nature's pre-workouts, you know, mm. like what are we, what are we given? What foods increase citrulline? What foods increase nitric oxide? Mm. And, and lo and behold, there's a lot that do. Um, and I did a whole show on this pre-workouts actually. Really? Uh, I'm going to go listen to that. Yeah. yeah li- listen to it. I, I speak about like beet juice, watermelon, uh, oranges before, during, after workout, um, taking citrulline you could take you could take citrulline that that's that's uh high dose in watermelon taking it through supplements before a workout uh and you saw we saw increased performance i think it was also uh grape juice was another one that folks the, the folks use but i i i talked i spoke about a few studies that we saw in athletes with better uh endurance and better strength when utilizing these different protocols so it's real I just want to lay out to the listeners of this that there actually are other options other than the stuff you're buying over here in the States, GNC, as a pre-workout with like it's silver and yellow and red and saying like, get your pump on. I personally think that like over time, you should really stay, if you're going to do, if you're going to dedicate yourself to a, a fitness regimen that you should look to give more love to your body than eating that synthetic crap, you know? 
Yeah. Food, food colors. It's just, it's just terrible. And I say that because when I was in college, I used to like really work out hard and I took everything under the sun. I would spend like $150 on supplements or, and, or like pre-workouts, protein. It was the worst. And my stomach was a mess yeah. from all of it. Yeah. Dr. G, you've provided so much uh, gold in this episode. I've, I've loved having this conversation with you and, and that's what it was. It was, it, it didn't even feel like a, an, a podcast. It was a more so a conversation and I hope to continue this in the future. You've got a podcast, correct? And you've got a, a great Instagram. Where, where can we find that? Podcast is called Heal Thyself, video and audio every single week knowledge bombs. I come in talking about any topic and then I review usually foods, home, home stuff, air purifiers, everything that has to do with health products. Really, really, really good um, guests coming on. Top, top of the line guests, which you're going to be on. I'm waiting for you to come on, by the way. <laughs> well, listen, if you only do whenever it in person, happens. let's uh, yeah, whatever that happens. Um, but no, I appreciate you. Okay. And then my uh, and then my Instagram is at drdoctr.g. We have some clips from the show, also some posts, uh, research-based posts. Just my look. The bottom line is the passion is this: educating and empowering. Mm-hmm. If I can educate folks and empower them, all I'm doing is leading them to water. They jump in if they want. I'm giving them information that they may have never heard of that can really change their life. If they love it, they love it. If they hate me, they hate me. Bottom line is that I've done my part. And that's the beautiful thing because most people are receptive to it and they make the changes and they're living the best life. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much.